Yep. 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 All right. Let's go ahead. And- hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me today is John. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know you are one of mine. And I'll come back, Stacy. Hello. Hello. Good to have you back, Stacy. <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> All right. So we are doing a special episode. The great, legendary actor, comedian, overall just awesome human being, uh, Paul Rubens, recently passed away from a surprise, kind of quiet battle of cancer. And we had an opportunity, like, let's do a tribute movie for him. So, you know, we could have done big, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Nah, everybody's talking about that one. Big Top Pee-wee's okay. Uh, we almost did Mystery Man because, you know, he's the spleen and you can't really top that, except he was also in a, in one of the most notorious films of the 90s. That's right. We're covering Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The he was movie, also voted. Oh, yep. yeah. He was also voted um, least likely to want to sit next to during a porno. <laughs> uh, by certain people. Other people like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure uh, there are a lot of people that uh, Paul Rubens was their type <laughs> in whichever transformation he made, whether it was Pee Wee or I have to admit the wig was I, I love the wig in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it gave him a I thought it gave him a, a funny different look than his usual slick back hairstyle. Yeah, uh, it really did. This is the weird. Uh, he's a. Uh, a lot of people think he's weird. He's too strange, but uh, he's in this hip mode for like a short period of time after his arrest uh, in '91 at the uh, Porner Theater. Then he does, you know, an appearance on uh, MTV Awards, and then he did, he has an, he's in the opening to Batman Returns in '92, and then he's in this one as uh, one of the as the uh, main vampire minion, essentially. <laughs> But yeah, so we're talking about the movie, uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, not the TV show. Josh Whedon did write both, uh, wrote the script, but as he'll freely admit in multiple interviews, comic books, and so forth, that only about half of the, the movie is his script. So, well, he, he's become a little problematic over the times as well, as we learn how badly he treated Charisma Carpenter, among others. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, when we talk about Josh Whedon, also, it's not like we can praise the guy. He's got a lot of uh, awful st- stories about him, especially, you know, from uh, what he apparently that way we treat Chris McCarpenter on Angel and how he acted on the set of uh, Justice League, which is ironic for him to be complaining about his movie being rewrought and shot when he did it as well. So, <laughs> the, well, the, he cast, the cast he... is amazing on this. This is, oh, I didn't. You know, I, I knew Rutger Hauer, and I guess I kind of knew Donald Sutherland was in this, but just watching hit hit actor after hit actor. Here's the, the fun missing cameo. Um, one of the one of the basketball players. Ben Affleck. The, ben Affleck. Yes. I, I saw him. I said, oh, is that the dude from Glee? I think that's the dude from Glee. And I like looked it up like, oh, no, he's Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Affleck's in it. Uh, Seth Green is actually in this movie, and he played Oz on the on the show too. But he, all of his scenes got cut. He's only in like a couple shots. You can see him as a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
one of the Arquette, uh, one of the Arquettes. I can't remember. David Arquette. Well, oh, Alexis Arquette is in here too. Like both of the, so you got two Arquettes in this film. Yeah, Hillary Swank. Yeah, and uh, her. Yeah. And let's see who else is in. Um, uh, um, Archie's dad. Yep. Archie Andrews's dad. Yes, that's right. The great, late great Luke Perry in his one of his few uh, major movie roles. You know, his, in his career never really took off for a film, but you know, this is eight seconds or what you call like his glory period. That was, I, I blame the soul patch. The soul patch, and he got typecast. You know, he was what thirty something years old playing teenagers. Yeah, I mean if. That's the th- yeah. I mean, that's actually the thing. Like, they could have written Pike, and let's be honest, it's not Spike. It's Pike. Pike. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a fish. yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. just vanishes. They don't even they don't even bring him up in the in the movie. I don't think they <laughs> mention the prom disaster in the very first part of the first season, and that's why she had to switch schools. But. Yeah, in the uh, see, the thing is, in the original screenplay, she blows up the gem to kill off all the vampires. There's supposed to be a lot more vampires, and she gets expelled for blowing up the school. And so, in the pilot, the pilot for the series, we didn't reference the original screenplay, not uh, not the movie at all. So it's he's he tries to imply it's two different universes. So <laughs> sure, why not? because yeah, he's like he also was fear. How Donald Sutherland acted uh, because he kept changing his lines and he didn't like the idea of him improvising, nor did he like Paul <laughs> Rubin improvising either. And I'm like, that's the, why the movie. That's the best parts of the movie. Yeah, the best parts of the movies are Paul Rubin's improvisations. <laughs> well, that's yeah, actually so the, part of the thing. It, Joss Whedon doesn't like any sort of improvisate improv, and it's like. Dude, most of the things that work in your movies have been because somebody else. <laughs> Not that he doesn't tell a good story, but a lot of the things that people really have loved in his movies have been movies and series have been things that the actors improved from the moment. Yeah, I still find it hilarious. Like he did two moves to Robert Downey Jr. has to deal with improvisation. <laughs> like. Uh. But no, uh, so the plot is basically it's the origin of Buffy. Uh, we get the we get a little nice little prologue, which the idea you know, they reveal you know, there's always been the Slayer, and then we get a uh, essentially it's now it's the uh, it, we're in Valley Girl era of L.A. and it's you know eighty two they shot in the shot in ninety one it's very much like you know like late eighties Valley Girl era of a uh, of a uh, I guess L.A. and yeah. And why do they always say it like a lie? <laughs> yeah, so Chris Johnson plays uh, Buffy in this version. We don't even get her last name. We just get she's Buffy like this. <laughs> they didn't even bother to give her last name in this movie. <laughs> like, nope, nope. see Buffy's mom. It's just Buffy's mom's the credits. Yeah, and not Miss Sanders. No. Summers. Summers, you're right. And uh, what's funny also is like that's. The, this Buffy's mom doesn't seem to care at all about Buffy, so it's very opposite again. So, oh yeah, that's true. If you watch the show, you're gonna is not like how the TV show was. It's like as he said, this, the script got rewrote a lot. Now, here's a fun fact: you guys know who is the producer of this movie and owns the actual rights to the character? 
Oh, really? No, who? I'm guessing not Joss, if that's no, the case. Joss sold the screenplay to a very famous musician. Uh, Michael Jackson. Nope. Um, Jack Black. Yeah. Stacy, you have a guess who owns the rights to Buffy? Uh-oh, we lost her. Dang it. Oh, no. Let me send her a relink. And the IMB lists the director as Kazooie, whom I don't know who that is. Yeah, that was a uh, that oh, they're only credit too. But uh, no, uh, I wait to, uh, if we can get Stacy back. I it's one of those great like this person owns Buffy. It's you know when you're saying like you, you know picking Michael Jackson's not a bad guess. This person is a major uh, musician, was in a lot of movies of the 1980s as well as in the 90s, and is still going very strong in their career right now. Oh, wow. Ah, we got you back. Yes, yay. So who okay. owns the rights? I, I, I'm got Dolly Parton. Oh, Wait. how about that? Dolly Parton. Yes. It's, if you see, it's the Sand Dollar film. That's Dolly Parton's company. She personally bought the script herself. <laughs> probably because she, she liked the pretty blonde girl as the lead hero. Yes, kicking butts and killing vampires. Yes, exactly. That's, but yeah, she she owns every. The only thing she doesn't own the rights to are some of the characters in Angel. She owns the rights to oh, everything. So That's look, funny. Yeah, she actually gets a percentage of everything Buffy related. So which is fantastically yeah. weird. That yes, Dolly Parton, who was producing a lot of weird independent films during this period of time, got this movie made. How about that? She got Star Trek too. No, that's Lucille Ball. Oh, you're right. It was Lucille Ball. I thought. No, that, no, that... Yeah, Lucille has uh, Star Trek, but that's kind of funny though, because I, I I never would have thought Dolly Parton. <laughs> I know one of these days I'm going to go to Dollywood and they're going to have to have. If you go to the Dolly Parton Museum and at Dollywood, they have a Buffy poster up because she has like all the movies she she's like involved in. But it, uh, I keep expecting eventually to do a Buffy attraction of some kind. <laughs> but, well, they, could, they could always put in a few more roller coasters. They don't have a lot of roller coasters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now. <laughs> the, what it, it absolutely blows me away is I keep looking uh, through this movie and like the the guy who played the principal who was trying so hard. He's a character actor. He was... Uh, Even Roots. Yeah, he was in Dodgeball and all the, you know, Office Space. And it's like, he always plays that. He is typecast as one type of guy, that earnest, <laughs> earnest, trying, earnest guy. Have you ever seen him play a villain? I can't yeah. think of it. any yeah. role. Uh, uh, ironically enough, in Oak, No Country for Old Men, he's one of the, he's the guy who actually was in, uh, behind the cane deal, the highest sugar. So he he can and, he can play a villain, but he usually plays like these, you know, like uh, over their head guys. And Jeffrey Jones was busy serving time at this time, I assume. No, this is a, you know, so uh, this is all right. You know, he was busy doing Mom and Dad Saves the World. <laughs> Okay, because he's, you know, he's a more stereotypical um, principal, and I, I really got Jeffrey Jones vibes from him. 
from from the principal from Gary Murray. That that is true. He does have some of the same, uh, I guess, mannerisms, and much better than the uh, principal from the TV series. Yes. <laughs> well, T- Tara and I were wondering if the principal was supposed to be some sort of Renfield character, and that's why he kept acting so bizarrely, like dropping tension slips on on vampires and yeah. that. that that something had addled his brain. Yeah, that is, he is sort of spying on Buffy a lot. Uh, so that's where it gets complicated. The script went through so many rewrites. His character was changed quite a few times. At one point, he was he was going to be like uh, one of uh, Lotho's uh, minions. So yeah, you're right, and you're thinking it's like a Renfield deal. He was supposed to be in one draft. Okay, that that makes sense. That 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 vibe still existed there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this film's got a lot of weird edit mistakes and so forth because, you know, they had a $7 million budget, which is decently good for a, uh, you know, a film in 1991-92, but, you know, they still clearly ran out of money. You can just tell. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's not even 90 minutes. It's like they edited they, to uh, save budget. They just cut certain sequences out. And, like, the basketball sequence where Affleck's the one of the, the opposing players – that was supposed to be like a much bigger sequence, and they cut it down to like three minutes. <laughs> Just uh, some of the, like the fight, some of the fights are like quicker. Yeah, when she uh, goes on, like there's supposed to be a montage of her going around killing lots of vampires. They pretty much curb that down to like one scene. Yeah. Well, after you establish that, you know, her detection system is. Or yeah. cramps. It's yeah. Like, yeah, they that didn't what, stick what, around. No, yeah. that that was clearly not in Whedon's script. That's definitely added by somebody else. Uh, Whedon said that uh, Donald Sutherland as since he's not playing Giles, but he's you know, a version of the wa- of a watcher. Is uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know he kept improvising, changing lines because he's Donald Sutherland. He likes to do that, and it ruined some of the continuity explaining how the character is supposed to be. What's even more weird in the original screenplay, which they adapted into a comic book, instead of getting, instead of violating his oath to inter- interfere, instead he kills himself because he's being captured and tortured to re- reveal Buffy's identity. Oh. And they were like, the studio was like, Fox and Sylvia was like, no, that's too dark. Just like they were like, it's too dark to blow up the high school. <laughs> and they seen Carrie. Ironically, he didn't have the same problem when he had season three of Buffy. <laughs> like, well, and at the end of season, at the final series, the series finale, they blew up the high school. So he he kept holding on to that plan. Yeah, he wanted he wanted he wanted to see a high school go up in smoke. I want to blow up a high school. I'm going to find a way to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna change the ending to Heather's. Damn it. <laughs> Well, at one point it was condemned. I, I can understand they just wanted he he really wanted that explosion, but uh, I can also understand where, as a studio, they would be like, you know, having it to, in a lighthearted supposed to be a lighthearted comedy. Yeah, that was a, wasn't supposed to be a comedy. Supposed to be more like an action film. Uh, with- and like he was said, he was inspired more stuff like 
American Werewolf in London versus what it turned into. But once again, I've said before, I think it wouldn't have worked either way because it's, you know, they, there's certain details and effects you need that weren't available. I mean, the thing is, like, the vampires don't turn to dust. They just kind of fall down kind of dead. That was because Mm -hmm. they were supposed to have an effect where they burst into flames. (laughs) Didn't happen. They didn't have the money for that. (laughs) I I wouldn't think that would be that hard. Well, once again, it was like, they're like, how much does it cost to do all these effects? Well, can we just do it in post-production and then Ah, uh, we're not gonna do in post production. We'll just let them just be lying there. But at least that allowed for the great g- gag, which is the, m- most people were referencing when uh, I saw this guy posting all over the internet when Paul Rubin uh, w- was dead. Was of course uh, his death scene. Is <laughs> <laughs> multiple death scenes. It's yes, the, but it's the same stabbed. death. Yeah, yeah. So he gets stabbed in one of the more amusing moments, and it's funny. Like, if you ever seen Blade, they reference this specifically. <laughs> like Donald Logue's character gets his arm cut off and constantly gets getting stabbed and having these slow, annoying deaths or sequences. <laughs> but the, yeah, so he gets staked and he's like, ah, oh, oh. He just kept falling around. Ah, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like the longest drawn out death sequence ever. <laughs> But there were callbacks, I swear, like uh, the scene between Benny and Pike uh, with Luke Perry and David Arquette, where he's floating outside the window. Let me in. I'm hungry. And I'm like. Uh Oh, you there? I'm still here. Yeah. Uh Oh, the vampire must have got her again. (laughs) She's she's out fighting evil. She's got those cramps. No, I hear you. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. Okay. But no, I was saying I've seen that in Salem's Lot. I've seen that yep. same scene. And I was like, huh, okay. They're doing, they're, they're referencing. It's like, but I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that, that's a Salem's Lot ripoff. I mean, this movie's got a lot of ripoffs. And I don't know, that's where it gets complicated. You know, Whedon did like to rip off other stuff for his material. So, was that a Whedon thing, or was that just some random person that threw that in? I, I think that one probably was something he wrote, and I think that's actually a pretty good scene too. Uh, now, what's your guys' take on the vampires' ears? Um, well, sometimes they had them, and sometimes they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like they had very indistinct. They, 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 there was a lot of continuity errors with their ears. I mean, it's it's no different than they they had a, at least some homages to the ridge forehead look that you see more prevalently in the Buffy TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I kept wondering like why did they give them like I mean the basically it's like it's not elf ears but it's kind of like they borrowed to make it from another movie and just stuck them on there because it does seem kind of weird for them to have thing I kept figuring out I was like I get like on the you know the idea that it's supposed to be human esque but it's like that's something I kind of felt like they didn't need to have because they look so kind of they look more like you know like a Sprites so they did anything else. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what that um what those ears were because I was like, that's not like Star Trek elf quote unquote Vulcan looking ears, but they were for the ones that did have when they did have the prosthetic, I was like looking at it going, I'm I'm thinking that's like from a TV I was going through what TV shows were on at the time. <laughs> I was like and see if they can read the props or something. 
Yeah, I kept thinking it's like from like a, a are those like Santa elf makeup or something? It's like something weird about it. they just look too pleasant. <laughs> well, they were ridged rather than just pointed. They had several yeah. different little points on them. Yeah, I was like, yeah. like actors. I don't know, but they're not they're not your standard quote unquote elf ears. And I was like, did they steal them from like a you know? Did somebody go steal them from somebody else's makeup kit? <laughs> oh, exactly. That's why I kept thinking, like, there's something that's, like, not making sense. And the thing is, like, the main vampire, Lothus, which is Rudger Howard, doing actually a very good job. He knew what movie he was in. Yes. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, he's chewing he like crazy. Well, so did uh, Donald Sutherland in a more yes. understated way. They were both, like, we're... We are here. We are here for a paycheck. There is yeah. nothing wrong with being here for a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, this movie is about a uh, valley girl who kills vampires. It's like it's not supposed to be taken seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, Rutger Hauer probably provided his own wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely think. I mean, if not, he had some costumes left over from uh, 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 Lady Hawk or something. <laughs> it's like, it's, oh yeah, could be. Yeah, it's like this is definitely it's it's another weird. Like, man, like you've got these talented people, and some of them know exactly how to handle this material. Others don't. Like Hillary Swank, and I give her credit. This is her first movie. You know, she would go on to win two Oscars. I mean, she is like way in like the dial it down zone. I think I've never really seen her do comedy. So I'm going to say that was probably her um, her challenge with this. She can do the drama, (laughs) but she doesn't know how to make a villain. Yeah, the best I've seen, uh, she hosted Saturday Night Live once and she did okay, but it's, it's like some people, yeah, they have a strength. And I don't, honestly, her character is so disposed. I expected her to be revealed to be like a, a vampire as well, and they never got down to that. She just seemed to be like the. And I'm thinking, is she supposed to be like, like a take on uh, Cordelia? Because that's kind of what I kept thinking as I'm watching this. And that's the problem with this movie is you watch it and you keep thinking, is this what this character became later? You're like. Pike's, you know, obviously... Xander. Is he, though? Because I kept thinking, is he actually supposed to be, like, the angel, but not without without the vampire? I mean, like, there's details that keep, you know, like, I see it, but then also the fact that Nathan and Pike makes me think, was he originally written as Spike, and they took the, the coolness That's out? <laughs> Could be. My, my assumption was that he was basically a, a Xander... Um... Early character, yeah, an early prototype. He was in love with Buffy. He was basically continually having to be saved by Buffy. That was Angel. (laughs) I I, I always thought it more of Xander. True, true, but at the most part, Xander did have to be rescued. But so did, um, like in the early seasons, Buffy was saving everyone. Well, sure. Um, but usually in the first couple seasons, Angel was, you know, the mysterious stranger that came and saved her butt out of nowhere and then vanished again. I think it was a while before you even realized he was a vampire. In the, no, it was the... like the third episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's like where they got to explore his, you know, his. So 
I kept. I kind of wonder if Pike was supposed to be another character that was that they didn't wind up using in Angel was the Whistler character, who was the original mm-hmm. guy who was telling Angel to protect Buffy. But it's like it's weird because once again we're talking to these characters that did Josh Whedon even create this character or did somebody else create it? Created. You know, you know, Luke Perry said he shot for four weeks and the script changed three times while he was shooting it. <laughs> wow, poor Luke Perry. <laughs> that that has to be very difficult. Um, if you shot for four weeks and in the shooting, your script changes because um, they didn't then know what movie they were making. <laughs> Yeah, you know? how do you couple a movie out of that? Yeah, most of these actors, this is their first time in a major movie. That's the thing that's so weird. And, you know, he at this point, it's you know, nine two knows that kind of at their highest peak when he's uh, on it, when he gets signed for this. So this is supposed to be his big movie breakout, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it, it didn't flop, but it didn't do well at the box office either. Like it made just enough money, but it's like you notoriously got pretty poor reviews. And kind of, kind of came to win. It developed the cult following on video, but it wasn't until the TV series that it finally kind of get a second uh, look at. Even then, it's not exactly you know considered the more and the more beloved you know cult films of the nineties. Look, when it came when the series came out, I was shocked they made a series off of it. But at the time, it was the WB, <laughs> so we <laughs> didn't have a lot of expectations for the no. WB. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I realized the WB had a lot of crap its first year. They had Homeboys in Outer Space as one of their show as one of their flagship shows. So it was like it was not a good time. The network was not a good network. So. For them to even pitch this was kind of a strange you know, reveal, and you know they they didn't bury it, but they gave it a kind of weird time slot initially. So it was not something you could just watch randomly. I kind of have to wonder though if the script changed that much, how much of it that like you enjoy, uh, where you know um, Christy Swanson was like. I have something all those other girls don't have. What? My fashion sense. And, you know, Rutger Hauer is like, vampires of the world, beware. It's like, how much of that was all improv then? Because. Yeah, it or... doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Josh. Wick died. And, you know, the. That's why, like, the only sequence I thought might, he might have written that they kept word for word was when they're talking about what movie theater to go to. <laughs> that, that's true. But it was kind of, inter- it was a, uh, the movie was a attempt, I think, by Luke Perry not to, to be against type because he's playing a dweeb. Well, it's like he's the anti-Dylan in that he's still a loner, you know, you know train wreck guy. But he's like the, uh, he's not socially, you know, hip with an, you know, he, he's supposed to be like the, uh, the, the, he's part of the bad, you know, the, the freaks group of like in high school, which once again, why they even put him in high school? They, he, yeah, he clearly was way too old and they didn't, nobody knew who he was, so I, I wouldn't have assumed if you hadn't told me that he was actually in the high school. 
I would have just assumed he was some guy. <laughs> if, that, if they kept it kind of, they basically implied he was just some guy who just kept running, who just kept getting caught up in this. It would have worked, I think, a little bit better. But I think the same time, like, well, he's playing Dylan McKay. We need he needs to be one of the people in the high school, but he's the uh, the mysterious loner. Nobody knows. That's that. It's it, it's another thing. It was like you can tell like script doctors and network notes like you know come down like yeah and change a little bit. He's like, you know, like the the ball, the the dance sequence when he shows up. I'm like, did he just come straight from Iron Two and own some of his clothes? Because the character would not act that outfit. Well, that was the thing because he was quote unquote living above a garage, like not as a. Did they back off on the fact that you know he's older than than Buffy? He he is an adult because <laughs> he's living on his own above the garage. Yeah, I mean he's it, like there seems to be no problem with him ha- getting alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, did you notice who was the waitress in the bar scene when they first run into Bu- Buffy and him first running each other? It's like so it's like him and David Arquette are sitting in the bar. A waitress walks up. Ricky Lake. Oh, wow. <gasps> that's right. Again, like I said, it's just so many so many people. David Arquette. Hillary Swank, you know Thomas Jane. Yep, he's one of the dudes. <laughs> like it's like all these people, like they all went on to other stuff. They all got in this movie, and in most cases, their scenes were basically minimal because, like, as it was pointed out, like they just kept editing and editing, and editing stuff down, which either means the scenes were much worse, or they were just like, let's just get this movie finished and get it out so we can get it off our, our off the books. <laughs> Let's get, let's have this five. Oh my God. I forgot that the school um, mascot is a pig. Yep. <laughs> yeah, for Hug the World. Oh God. Yeah. Yep. Once again, it's another thing like, okay, not, I don't know many high schools would have a uh, piggly wiggly. I mean, that's a piggly wiggly pig. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is a piggly wiggly pig. But... <laughs> I mean, that's, that was essentially the pig. <laughs> it's like, why? Why did you pick that logo, that image? It's not even Porky Pig. It's God. Uh, it's these things like you just like if the if they blew up the school, you wouldn't be upset. What's <laughs> and it's it's the same school. Go, 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 go. Get it. Here. Um, uh, guys, I'm doing a podcast real quick. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's rain, rain outside. <laughs> No. So I, think, I, think cars. I have to wonder though if for like the vampires it was like David Arquette and I'm looking at the ears and it's like yeah not all of them had the ears and it's no. like wait did you have to get to a certain level was it like or was like, it just rulers sometimes had the ears and sometimes didn't have the ears it's like are you if they bury you do you have the do you get the ears if you don't get buried? I did like that one bit like I said one of the vet, uh, victims has body has been stolen from the morgue I'm like okay so they waited a while to, uh, for that one like, yeah there's supposed to be a plot line that uh, there's there, everyone's being hypnotized that's why someone seems to care that the vampires are killing everybody that got cut yeah that's why I said oh it's silent now he's going mental control on me is broken yeah yeah but Rutger Hauer was like, I'm not, do- I'm doing the pale makeup. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, that's what you should do. I do the dry 
Oh, crazy Daisy. Now, I kind of wonder, is there like a Snyder's cut of this? Is there an actual uh, cut? There are, there are different cuts with, that have um, Rubens continuing to die slowly in the credits. I know that. Yeah. They didn't yeah, have that on HBO. Yeah. They, if you At the very end of the credits, they still have more of him doing his dying bit, which also, you know, we didn't get to point out, you know, he gets his arm ripped off and he just kind of runs with it. I mean, such a great detail. They they keep going with it. The same gag. He's like, we're immortal. We can do anything. And she, she's like, clap. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and, and uh, see that definitely up feels like a Whedon thing. So I will give credit. That's probably a Whedon line. So, um, but I think we kind of narrow around this. Let's go ahead and cover this. Is this a good movie, a bad movie, or a nerdy movie? Uh, John, what's your take? Oh wow, actually a little tougher. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's good and nerdy. I mean, it spawned all manner of TV spinoffs and homages to it. And so I think it I think it definitely has to be a nerdy movie, but I would I would also say it's good, even though it kind of flopped in the TV in the movies, I believe. I I think that people keep coming back to that well. Yep. All right, uh Stacy, what's your pick? I'm gonna have to agree. It's good and nerdy. Not because the quality of the, you know, it's it's not Academy Award winning, even though there's a lot of Academy Award winning and very big award winning actors in this. But everybody who would, there's so much content, like he said, and everything that spawned from this. Okay. And you kind of, every you go down the rabbit hole. It's. <laughs> you want to see more we want to see the 10 minutes of Paul Rubens dying which you know they have to have it they have somebody has to have it 10 minutes of his death throes all right no? um okay so uh my uh I'm gonna go with actually in this particular case nerdy although I was leaning toward bad but I'm gonna go back with nerdy because I feel like this is this film, there's so much you can talk about, like what, how not to make a movie, and also how to make a movie, how to fix something later on. It's, you know, the fact that it does create this universe is kind of special. So, uh, it's like Rocky Horror. Yes. The movie in and of itself isn't great, but if I showed up in one of those cheerleading outfits. Somebody would recognize it. Yeah, and the thing is, like, yeah, it's like once you put the, the yeah, it's like you can wear a cheerleading outfit, put your hair back, and put a a bot, you know, a, a biker jacket on, and carry a steak, and you're not you're Christy Swanson. I mean, that's it's like it's not Sarah Michelle Gellar's take, but it, that's the you can pull it off very easy. Yeah, and it, it like Rocky Horror, people know it, people make fun of it, but they still go back and watch it and own it. <laughs> and, and I think once again the reason we did this was for Paul Rubin, and he's very he's knows what type of movie he's in, and he makes the best of it. He wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. It was supposed to be Joan Chen. It was supposed to be a female vampire. She dropped out. He took the part and went with the and intentionally picked the look of when he was arrested because this was filmed after he got arrested. So his look really? in the movie, yeah. But a lot of people thought he'd been shooting the movie when he got arrested. No, it was the other way. He picked the look after the fact. He's like, you know what? Yeah, it is it, like they. That's exactly what I should look. Have you guys ever seen uh, what we do in the shadows? Yeah. 
Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so the vampire court sequence where they have all the celebrity vampires show up. So uh, Paul Rubin again plays his character, and he told them this is he that he kept the wig. So he was wearing the same wig from the movie for his when he got to replay the character again. So, are uh, you serious? Now go look that up and watch that because I've seen the Vampire Court and I've seen all the other characters in there, but I didn't know that Paul Rubens. Oh yeah, Paul Rubens was absolutely in the first season. They, yeah, they, he, yeah, he. I mean, it's him. It's you know he. The only, dude, yeah, the play, play. Not, I mean that sequence. Yeah, it's like you know, all these celebrity vampires are there for the trial. Gilda Swinton. <laughs> yep. And you know when they bring you up know. Tom, Tom here because uh, he's not in, talking about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, he yeah that wig, and he said that was the coolest he ever looked in his opinion. So he's like, that's why he he, he always kept that. Occasionally, according to reports, would go to how uh, Halloween parties in that costume. <laughs> Wow, that is amazing. You know, I'm kind of sad though. Then Rutger Howard had probably already passed when they filmed it. It would have been great if they had. Oh, <laughs> cool. Now we'll right. watch that. Uh, so, folks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you like it, hit us up on our Facebook group, Fans Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast, also on Twitter. And guys, thanks for doing this. And you know, like I said, uh, before we get a chance, any favorite uh, Paul Rubin moments besides this uh, for his epic death? <laughs> Heard him Dancing kill him tequila. a lot. Kill, kill him a lot. Him a lot. Was really good. <laughs> he just chewed the scenes. I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knew what movie he was in and having fun with. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot. Also, now this. Then a few months later, he's in, of course also in Nightmare Before Christmas as Lock, Stock, and Barrel. So this is 1992, the year of Paul Rubin. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And please, 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 if you're going to pick a uh, theme, uh, your dance, try to do a little research on what actually is wrong with the environment. <laughs> Hug the world. Uh, also, 